that God is expanding his kingdom by expanding you. The kingdom of God is on a forceful advance. And this is his agenda, that his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Welcome to Living Word, growing a family that experiences every promise of God. You're listening to another life-changing word from Pastor Jason Anderson. For more information, visit our website at livingwordonline.com. Why don't we pray and get right into it? Father God, I thank you and praise you for this time. Open up our hearts to receive your word. It is bread. It is manna. It's practical. We can use it this week. Your word is also seed planted deep in the good soil of our hearts and produces life in us and changes us and grows us. Holy Spirit, be our teacher. Teach us what we need to know. Prepare us for what is coming in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. Today, I want to teach you about the kingdom of God. And we're going to hone in on one very particular principle because the kingdom of God is a grand teaching. It's huge. The Bible says that when Jesus hit the ground running, began to preach, that he preached on the kingdom of God. And why is that? Because the kingdom of this world is different than the kingdom of God. And he wants us to have a spiritual understanding and a wisdom that we might understand and have insight towards the things of God that we might know his ways. There is success and victory in understanding how God works and how his kingdom works. What I really want you to take away from today's message is this, that God is expanding his kingdom by expanding you. The kingdom of God is on a forceful advance, and this is his agenda, that his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, his will is being done, but on earth, not so much. Not everything is under his kingdom. But God is wanting to enlarge his kingdom, to expand his kingdom by expanding you. See, because Jesus said this, for the kingdom of God is within a man. You are his on the inside. You were bought and paid for. And the kingdom of God, the Bible says that the thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. These three things that belong to God, the kingdom of God, includes you on the inside. So when he expands you on the inside, he's getting ready to expand you on the outside. He's advancing his kingdom by increasing your influence. He wins when you win. And so in this expanding of his kingdom, he doesn't want, he can't have his soldiers equipped for battle. He can't have them unequipped or thinking that they don't have the equipment. They're thinking that they don't have the ability or have what it takes. He's forever declaring to us what we can do and who we really are. He can't have his soldiers sick, broken, without energy, and labeled by this world. We walk around with labels that God never intended us for, for us to have. And I know that we were beaten, and I know that there's regrets, and I know that there's abuse, and I know that there's brokenness. But God has come to you when you received Jesus to erase all of that, to stand you up on the rock and have you ready for battle to advance his agenda on the planet. And when he took over you, he took over all the things that were on you and inside of you and with you and part of you. When he took over you, he took over your gifts and your talents and your abilities and your dreams and your desires and also your property and your influence, all of it then becomes into the service of the kingdom of God. In 1200 BC, the Greeks write of this story that there was a city named Troy. They had kidnapped a queen and they were under siege now as the army was trying to rescue their queen. 
under siege that city for 10 years without victory. After 10 years, the army that was outside couldn't get in, came up with a plan. They, con they created a, a hollow, great big wooden horse, and they put their elite team, their, some of their best warriors on the inside, including their, their leader, Odysseus, would hide on the inside of this horse. And then they got on their ships, and as the sun was setting, they sailed away. And it looked like to the city of Troy that the siege after 10 years was finally over. And the Greeks left this note with the horse. For their return home, the Greeks dedicate this offering to Athena. Well, the city of Troy brought the, the horse into their, into their city, into the middle of their court. And, and uh, at midnight, of course, by darkness, they, this team of elite warriors came out and snuck around and opened up the city gate. And wouldn't you know it, the army had sailed back under cover of night as well and came into the city, and the city of Troy would fall that day. And what we found out is that this great strategy is, is when you conquer something from the inside out. And as it took this, tr this city, came unto a, unto a new kingdom, it would have come under a new king. It would have come under new principles from that kingdom, and it would have gained access to new resources that it didn't have before. Because there was a change of kingdom. In the like manner, Jesus is our Trojan horse. He came disguised as sinful flesh. He just looked like one of us. But how many know he wasn't just like everybody? He began to walk on the planet and do things nobody had ever seen or heard of before. And then you believe in him. You believe in him, and he came on the inside of you. And instead of trying to fix you from the outside in, how many know you can't fix people from the outside in? You can tell them what's wrong with them. You can explain to them. You can debate with them. But nothing changes when you try and go from the outside in. That's the old covenant. The new covenant is Jesus comes on the inside of you. And people even look at you and they say, boy, you look the same. You still look all dirty on the outside. And you look in the mirror and you go, you're right. I do look all dirty on the outside. But I tell you what, something on the inside of me is stirring. Something's changing about my desires. I know that the carpenter has some hammer and some nails. And he has gone to work on the inside of me to rebuild build me, to change me, and to grow me. And here's the, new, the thing we have to remember. You were in the kingdom of darkness, now you're in the kingdom of light. You were in the kingdom of this world, but now you're in the kingdom of his son. And that change of kingdom means new resources for you, but it also means new principles. There are spiritual principles that if you don't understand the spiritual principles, if you have a misunderstanding of how they work, because in the inside, this is all changed, but the mind is still programmed to the old ways. And if we hold on to the old ways, that spiritual misunderstanding can misdirect our faith and cause us to miss out on the abundance and the, and the expansion that God has for us. Jesus, our Trojan horse. And inside of, of my mind exists the kingdom of this world because that's how it was programmed and that's where it lives. And in that kingdom of this world mentality is a lack mentality. There's never enough. There's not enough. That's part of this mindset. And the mindset of never enough has a defense mechanism against never enough, and it's called mine and me. In other words, I have to keep whatever I have for me in order to guard against the idea that I'm going to run out. I already don't have enough, so I better keep what I have. And Jesus combats that with this very simple phrase, right? Follow me, deny yourself. It can't be about me and mine. Did you know that he was combating the power of the mentality and mindset of lack and poverty? That that's what that was combating? Because under a kingdom, the king now has ownership 
And everything that's in that kingdom is now in service to the king. In a, in a republic like America where we live, I have private property, this is mine, and, and, I, and I, if I don't like what's happening in the government, I can vote somebody out. But in the kingdom of God, that principle is not true. You can't vote Jesus out. And now under the new covenant, there's a victory in this. The new covenant says that what's his is yours and what's yours is his. You access a new resource by the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, but he also has complete access to your resource. He has complete access to your service. So everything in the kingdom of Jason, when it came into the kingdom of God, see, under the kingdom of Jason, it was there to serve me and my needs and my desires, and I had a mind mentality. But when I was... When there was a coup in the government of the heart of Jason, and Jesus came in and took over, the kingdom of God was established on the inside of me, and he filled me with every good thing, the fullness of God, it was all in there. And he got rid of the need mentality because he said, I'll meet all of your needs according to my riches and glory. And he bought me and paid for me with a price. And now everything that's within my kingdom now exists surrendered to the purposes of God. My dreams, my talents, my gifts, my abilities, my property, my influence, three out of four of my children, they all belong. Four out of four, praise God. They all belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. All of it's now in service to the king. And, and under a private property mentality, the, the, Mac, the lack mindset takes a believer into a Christianity that says, thank you, God, for what you gave me. Here's a little bit back for you. That's a lack mentality. Because God is going to expand his kingdom by expanding you. Because all of you belongs to him. Say, I belong to him. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 19, we see our assignment. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. Go on. And by him to reconcile. Say reconcile. To reconcile all things to himself. Not just people, but things. By him to reconcile all things to himself. They were, they were his at the creation. He he created all. This is all his. And he gave it to man. He said, have dominion and subdue it. And then man went sideways and suddenly things spun out of control. And see, if man has dominion and he's submitted to the purposes of God, then God has dominion. But if man rebels against God, then whatever that man owns is rebelling against God. And, and hence human suffering. Human suffering is, the, is a man who refuses to submit or surrender to God's purposes in his life through, through the excuse of I don't believe in him or I'm not going to have anything to do with him or I want to live my own life my own way or I've been deceived. I've been lied to. And then everything in that man's ownership is rebelling against God. And so God can, and that's where human suffering exists. It is suffering exists in the foolishness of a man and the fruit of temptation by a devil who's deceiving us all into trying to get a need met that God desires to meet in you. And so the cycle of human suffering exists on this planet. But God's saying, hey, I, this is all mine. Jesus reconciled all of this to himself. Both things in heaven and on earth are reconciled to himself. You say, but it's not all, it's, it's, it's all his, but it's not all serving him. Do you see that? It was made to serve him, but it's not all serving him. And so there's a reconciliation that needs to happen, and this is our assignment today. He who created all things, they were, all things were made by him, and all things were made for him, but not everything is yet serving him. 
But when he expands me, then whatever expands in my life now becomes into the service of the kingdom of God. Look at God looking at all of earth, and the earth went sideways, and Adam sinned, and Eve sinned, and then he's got, he's trying to figure this out, and he's got, you know, there's Abraham, there's this guy that will believe him. And so God's like, okay, I can, I can work through this. I can get things back under control, under my will, on earth. What did Jesus say? He said, pray that, that God's will would happen on earth as it is in heaven. Why do we pray? Because we're the conduit of that. In other words, if God wants to defeat Goliath, that's his will. He uses David to do it. If, if, if Goliath's going to fall, somebody got to pick up a stone. And so this is our participation in the will of God. We come into the kingdom of God, and because of our service, he expands his kingdom influence by expanding us. So he says to he looks at Abraham, he's like, that's a guy I can use. That guy will serve me. He believes in me. And so he says, Abraham, what does he do now? First thing out of God's mouth, I'm going to enlarge you, right? I'm going to bless you. I'll make your name great. I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I will bless all people through you. God approaches Abraham. Now he's got one guy. What's he doing? I got I to blow this dude up because I can, I can, I can expand. I'm going to give him this land. I got to give him the borders of a kingdom. So I'm going to take him to a land that I will show you. And then from Abraham, we get Isaac. And then from Isaac, we get Jacob. And then from Jacob, we get the tribes of Israel. And from the tribes of Israel, we get a kingdom. And what was God doing? He was like, I found someone who believed in me, and I can enlarge him. I can enlarge my kingdom if he'll be enlarged. And he wants to do the same thing for you. He wants you to be the next Abraham. Because anybody, right? oh, come on, somebody, anybody who believes in Jesus, Jesus died so that those who were redeemed by the Lord, who put their faith in the Lord, might become children of Abraham and have the same blessing of Abraham. This is what it says in the book of Galatians. So that blessing given to Abraham, that's for you. Why? Because you believe God. And God knows this. I can take more territory if I can blow your life into bigger, if I can enlarge your land, if I can enlarge your influence, if I can give you victory. Every time Abraham wins, God wins. Every time Isaac wins, God wins. Every time Jacob explodes into new territory, God wins. Every time that kingdom is expanded, as wealth comes into the kingdom, that's a win for God because there's more resources in his kingdom. Kingdom, more influence, more property, and more people. This is our God reconciling the things that are on earth back to himself, and he does it by enlarging you. Woo! Praise the living God. And, and when I was 13 years old, I was the drummer in a Christian rock band, 13. I was playing with these guys that were like 20 years old, and they were incredible musicians, guitar players. We were like a, a, a Christian 80s rock band. You should have heard... I mean, this is the whole deal. And, and we would go out and play, and we had a huge PA, all these big speakers and subwoofers and flight cases and equipment. And on the sides of all the speakers and equipment was written the words in, in white spray paint letters, Black Sabbath. <laughs> now, if you don't know what Black Sabbath is, it's exactly what you think it is. It was an 80s rock band that was not of God, Okay. And here's this Christian rock band using all this stuff. And people would say, where did you get all this? What is this stuff that you're using? It got donated to us. And what the touring rig that Black Sabbath had used the prior year to tour and do all their concerts with had now come into our ownership. And what were we doing? We were using it to defeat the enemy. What used to be used to help the enemy had come under the kingdom of light. Because it came under our ownership, it became in service to the kingdom of God. Do you see that? That's why God says, I want to give you wells you didn't dig. 
I want to give you cities that you didn't build. And people would come against us. They would say, why are you using the satanic equipment for God? That's wrong. We're like, are you reading the Bible? This is exactly what God likes to do. He likes to take the things that were meant for evil and turn them into the hero for the kingdom of God. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the? Yeah, for the just, for the righteous. It's laid up for us. If it's laid up for us, then we have to recognize that we're going to get it, but not for ourselves. This is not about you and your wealth. This is about the kingdom of God and what God owns. There's an assignment to reconcile all of the things that the enemy keeps using to advance his agenda. We have to bring into the kingdom of God every single resource, every single influence, and every single person. Isn't this what God does? He takes even the people that are being used for the kingdom of darkness, and he invades their heart and turns them to his good. In Joshua chapter 13, the Bible says, and I love this phrase. I've read read it many times, and I will read it many times again. Now Joshua was old, advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, you're old and advanced in years. And, And really, it was about the attitude of his mind. It wasn't about his age, because Caleb was his same age and was still doing huge things. But, but Joshua had kind of relaxed. And it says there's, there remains very much land yet to be possessed. You got more to do, Joshua. You aren't done. Now, Joshua had done great things. He's a hero of God, make no mistake. But he got to a place in his life where he's like, all right, that's good. And God had told him what region to take and the boundaries that were to be God's. But Joshua didn't get it all. He stopped. And God would say to him, there's more to take. And here's the stuff to take. Do you know that Joshua didn't do it? Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that Joshua did not give the people rest. He didn't even take Jerusalem, the city of God, from the Jebusites. It remained the Jebusites until the time of King David. And and here's the interesting thing about that. I want you to get this concept in your mind. God wanted more than man. Joshua was like, I'm good. And God's like, we ain't done. I'm all right. Joshua looked at his land. He looked, maybe he got a nice waterfall and like some cool, like he's just like, yeah, that's, that's about right. That's enough. I got it. I'm good. I'm good. And God's like, this, is, this was never about you, Joshua. This is about my kingdom. This isn't about whether you're good. This is what I'm up to. And I think sometimes that, that we get this mentality of, I'm good. Right? I'm a little bit sick, but I... I can manage. I'm comfortable. My family's got some issues, but we're my mar- your marriage. Your marriage, kingdom marriage, it's a romantic, fiery, passionate marriage. Yeah, I don't know. Seven out of ten. It's, it's good. I'm not complaining. You know, the ball chain doesn't complain too much. We we get along. How about your your business? Oh, we're struggling. How about your finance? Well, we're in a lot of debt, but it's fine. It's manageable. We're all right. We're good. We're like Joshua. I'm good. I don't need any more. I'm fine. I'm happy. Look, you should be happy no matter what you're in, right? Whether you're a base or you're abounding, whether things are bad or good, you're happy. There's not, nothing to do with your joy. This is about his kingdom and what's reconciled to him. And God's like, no, no, no. I've got more for you to take because when you take this, you're taking it for your family. You're taking this for your children. You're going to break divorce off your family forever because you're going to have a fiery romance that your kids are going to see and you're going to build a legacy because I'm trying to build something. See, I'm expanding 
you because I'm expanding my kingdom. I'm expanding your influence because I'm expanding my influence. I need you to take these regions. Well, I'm a little bit insecure. I still deal with a lot of fear and anxiety, but I'm getting through it. I have a lot of regret and shame, but you know, I'm able to manage. Listen, God is like, no, no, no. I can't have you walking around with chains of regret and shame. You've got too much to do. I got a sling in your hand. You got armor on you. There's a Goliath standing there. We got mountains to move. We got water to walk on. Come on, people of God. Stop saying I'm okay. Step into the, because it's not about you. It's not about your kingdom. This is not your kingdom. You're joint heirs, sure, but this is not your kingdom. You are a steward over all that God belongs to, that, that belongs to God and is in his service. And David understood this principle, King David. He was the one that would take the rest of the territory. Second Samuel in chapter 8 describes David going systematically city by city. He'd already taken Jerusalem right when he became king. He began to take all the land that belonged to God. And God gave him victory. Why? Because expanding David. Think about what he did in David's life. He's a shepherd boy watching some sheep. Kind of the lowly one in the family. Nobody really recognized him. Even when he got to the battlefield with, with Goliath, the king kind of rejected him. You're just a kid. You can't do it. Everyone telling him what he can and can't do. And look what God did to David. And now we see David expanding the kingdom to what God had promised because it's God's kingdom reconciling to himself on earth as it is in heaven. It belongs to, to God in the heavenlies. It belonged to him at the moment he gave it to Abraham. Now, what did he give to Abraham? The Bible says as far as you can see, north, south, east, and west. It's all yours. Why? Because it's all going to be God's. And now today, all of it's been reconciled to God through the peace by the blood of the cross. All of it's his. All of it's supposed to be in service to him. And so what does he do? He expands David. He takes him from being a shepherd boy to nobody, and he enlarges David. He enlarges him on the inside. He grows him up on the inside so that he can handle it on the outside so it doesn't destroy him as he becomes king. What does he do? He's enlarging David, but what's happening? He's expanding his own kingdom. He's expanding his own influence. I came across this the other day. I found out that David, according to the Bible, the gold and the silver that was assigned to him, and he talks about it, it talks about it in the Word because of all the territory he took, it, it's somewhere around $125 trillion. So that made him the richest man to have ever lived, David. Now, it could be less than that. Maybe the, the, the couple of articles that I read, but they, they were taking the gold and weighing it out. It was half the world's gold at the time. They did a lot of research on this. $125 trillion to one guy. Do you think David felt guilty about all that he had? So I call it the guilt of gain. The, the world's programmed our minds to believe you don't need all that. And so what they're doing is they're trying to keep the, the, the believers powerless through the guilt of gain. But if you ask David, do you feel guilty about all the gain? He would say, this is not mine. I don't own this. You think I own this? I'm going to die. I don't get to take this with me. No, this is all in the kingdom of God now. It's here to serve him, and it's here to serve his purposes. Now watch this. During Solomon's reign, David's son, there was 40 years of peace, and there was nobody poor. Human suffering came to an end within that boundary of the kingdom of God. Why? Because when God has the reconciliation of the resources of the earth under his command, human suffering ends. Oh, somebody give the Lord a hand clap. There was peace. They never even got attacked once. Because what David did, and, and it says in the book of Acts in chapter 13 and verse 36, it says, 
Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, what was he doing? He was, he was under the kingdom of reconciliation. This is how David talked about it. I'm going to go to 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 24. For you have made your people Israel. This is David talking to God. Listen to how he thinks. You have made your people Israel, your very own people forever. So David, you're king, but he won't refer to the kingdom's people as his people. Like, hey, thank you, God, for giving me my people. The kingdom of Israel is my people. I'm the king over Israel. David had a different mentality. This isn't mine. This is God's. These people are God's. The kingdom is God's. All this stuff is God's. I'm just a steward over what is God's, what is designed to serve his purpose. I am a steward over those things. And if I'm a steward over the things of God, I will never reject the expansion of God in my life by the guilt of gain. You might want to listen to that one about four times. You, there's a guy I met in Uganda, he's a, a wonderful man. He picked me up in this um, Land Rover and was driving me to a meeting. I'm in Kampala, Uganda, in a beautiful Land Rover. I mean, the cup holder had like a refrigeration unit, keep your drink cold or you could turn it up and make it hot. It's an incredible car. I, I, was, I mean, it's just a beautiful machine. And I, so I was talking to the man. I was like, what do you do in Uganda? You just don't see stuff like this. And he, he said, well, I started a grocery store uh, a few years back and God has just uh, really exploded this. And now I have... The, one of the largest grocery store chains in Uganda is mine. Oh, he didn't say mine. He said, is, 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 is what I'm up to. But I, wanted, I wanted to say he didn't say mine because I want, I want you to hear how he said it. This is how I remember him saying it. I was asking him about all that God had given him, and he said, all of this belongs to the Lord. I am just a steward who gets to reap the benefits of his kingdom. And now I ask you the question, do you see how it's in God's best interest to continue to explode and multiply this man? Because every time he enlarges that man's business, he enlarges his own kingdom of influence. To be a good employer to employees, to pay him good wages. To be honest to the people that he does business with. To take property and resources and pour them into the ministry of Feneru. And to grow the kingdom of God. He never believed for a moment that this was his. And he's going, here you go, God. Here's a little bit for you. He believed that all of it belonged to the Lord. And this is the single greatest revelation to push back on a poverty mindset that you've ever heard because it is God's word speaking truth to your mind right now. You don't own any of it. None of it is yours. It is all there to exist to serve in the purpose and the kingdom of God. Every resource you have is there to exist to reconcile back to the Lord Jesus. You are a king over a kingdom, but you are not the king of kings. You are a steward over what is God's. King Herod was stewarding over the king of kingdom of Israel when Jesus came. And so they would have understood this principle, that as King Herod expanded the kingdom of Israel, the Caesar was the benefit. Why? Because there was a king above the king. And so the king above the king would resource King Herod with what he needed to expand the kingdom because of the benefit. Now the King Herod was benefiting from the kingdom because it worked this way and it worked that way, but he was nothing more than a steward over what belonged to Caesar. In the same way, we are kings, but we are not the king of kings. We are like the man who stewarded over the vineyard that belonged to God. And I may be joint heirs with Christ Jesus, but everything that I have is surrendered to the purposes of Christ. Everything that I own is not mine, but it belongs to him because I belong to him. He bought me with a price. He paid for it with his own blood and he made me a child of God and gave me eternal life and put his power on the inside of me. All of it is there to serve God. Come on, somebody. And when a man surrenders 
When a man surrenders, a woman surrenders everything underneath their ownership to the purposes of God, watch out. Because it is God's best interest now to see that expand and grow, to expand your property, to your influence. And so I want you to see this final story. You can be seated. I appreciate you guys standing up. It makes me feel great. We're getting it, Lord. Come on. Okay, so Luke chapter 19, and, and uh, we'll go there. It's God's best interest, and so I want you to see God's strategy for expanding the kingdom. So the strategy of man uh, to help others is to tell you what's wrong with you. That's the strategy of men. The strategy of men is to call you in in front of the judge for the things that you've done wrong and then to execute the command that would restore justice. That's the strategy of men. And, and, but here's the strategy of God. God's strategy is a little different. So here's Christ. He walks into a town. Now, in this town is a bad guy. The bad guy's name is Zacchaeus, and he has stolen money from everybody in the town, almost everybody. He's considered the swindler. He's a greedy guy. He's super rich, super, super rich, super influential. Everybody in the town hates him. He's the bad guy. And here comes the good guy, right, the sheriff, riding in on his white horse or whatever, the knight. He's going to set the people free. And, but he walks up to Zacchaeus, and instead of saying, Zacchaeus, you're a swindler, and I'm here to judge you, and you're going to pay all these people back, or I'm going to get you. That's not what he does. He shows us a different strategy. He says, Zacchaeus, I want to have dinner at your house. He goes to Zacchaeus' house, and all the people are in a rage over this. Why would you go to this guy? He's the bad guy. You need to smite this guy or something. But not Jesus. He loves him and has dinner with him. And then, and then this is what Zacchaeus says. Let me read it to you. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, look, I give half my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore full four, fourfold. So he does it of his own free will. Half my goods to the poor, super rich, and if I stole 10,000 from you, I'm going to pay you 40,000 back. Right? Four times what was stolen. So everybody's restored. And then Jesus says this very interesting phrase, and this is what I've been talking about all day today. Today, salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come, why did you come? To seek and to save that. Now, those things is one translation. Those things, that which was lost. He was operating in the ministry of reconciliation. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that Jesus Christ has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So this was his assignment. He went to a town and he restored the town. The people who had been stolen from got four times what had been stolen. The poor got some money. He brought justice to the place. And he did it by loving a guy and invading him like a Trojan horse and getting the kingdom of that guy to own, be owned by God. So now Zacchaeus, what you thought was for you is now for Jesus. And according to my purposes, I'm going to use that kingdom to bring restoration to the, to the people that you've hurt. Do you see what God does to change the planet? If we want to change this planet, it doesn't come by hating on people or by, by pointing out their faults or telling them how they're wrong. That doesn't work. We need a Trojan horse. And there's only one Trojan horse that I know that is capable of turning a person around, and that's Jesus Christ. And if I can get Jesus into your life by loving you, then I can bring the greatest gift to God that anyone could ever bring, and that's the gift of a soul into the kingdom of God. And everything in that person's ownership, property, and influence is now under the reign of the rule of the purposes of the kingdom of God.
Somebody say amen. And you can use that strategy to change this whole country if you want. It'll work. Let me ask you a question. Well, let me just pray over you real quick. This will be important. And so I want you to get this into your understanding today that all of you, all of yours, all of you is in service to the Lord and you are a steward, joint heir, co-owner, assigned the ministry of reconciliation of people to God, of property to God, and of influence to God. And as you do, I declare that today God is expanding you. He's increasing your sphere of influence. He's causing you to be the head and not the tail. He's enlarging your territory. You had one business, but now you're going to have two and three businesses. The debt is being removed from your life. Sickness and disease is leaving you. You are a soldier that is healed and whole and full of energy, equipped to do every mighty work for the Lord, to bring the reconciliation of the things of earth back to our Jesus Christ, that he might have this world serve according to his purposes in this life and in this world, that the people would be saved, that all that is restored is lost, healing of every broken thing in Jesus' name. And if you believe it, shout out, I believe it. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for watching. If you're not sure what eternity looks like for you, if you were to face eternity today, or whether you have peace with Father God, you can't have that today. The good news is God's already offered the free gift of salvation through his son, Jesus, that anyone who would believe in Jesus would not perish, but have everlasting life. You can step into a new life today if you're ready. Just say this prayer. Dear Father God, forgive me of all sin. And Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're the Son of God who died for sin and rose from the dead. Be my Lord in Jesus' name. If you said that prayer for the first time, you are entering into the kingdom of God now. You're in eternity. Get into a great Bible-believing church. God bless you.